Hello and welcome back to our study, The Names of Jesus. We're looking at biblical examples of Jesus and, and how he is referred to, and we're trying to understand him a little bit better by seeing um, these different aspects of, of what Jesus is called in the Bible. And today, we are going to be jumping from the beginning to the end and, from, and back to the beginning uh, in Scripture. Uh, we're going to go to Revelation. Now, uh, I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, to watch our series on the book of Revelation. It's available on our website, MonroeChurchOfChrist.org. These videos come out live on YouTube and Facebook uh, certain days of the week to coincide with our, our in-person Bible studies at our building. Uh, but we also archive them on our website, uh, organized by class. So you may be watching this live online right now. You may be watching it after the fact, and you've just stumbled across it some years later, um, in which case I'm talking to the future. Uh, but Or you may be on our website going through these on demand. Either way, go to MonroeChurchOfChrist.org, um, and you can navigate to our Bible classes and find our series on the book of Revelation. Because we're going to go to Revelation now. We're going to go to chapter 5. Now John, the Revelator, is seeing a scene of heaven. He is seeing some fantastic things. There's beasts, and, and there's elders, and there's the throne room of God, and there's incense, and there's smoke, and there's a, a sea, and, and then there is um, a scroll. There's a scroll, and it's sealed. And on the scroll is the fate of God's people. And John desperately wants to know what's on that scroll because Christians right now, uh, at this point in time, the, in late first century, are, they are an endangered species. And they are facing opposition, persecution, and threat from the Roman government. And John wants to know what's going to happen. He wants to know they're going to be okay. He wants to know his people will survive and God's people will survive. So he wants that scroll open. And then a mighty angel in verse 2 of chapter 5 says, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? Verse 3, And no one in heaven or earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy. John is aggrieved. There's no one who can open the scroll. There's no one who can reveal and tell us the end of the story. There's no one who can, who can save God's people. And then one of the elders, verse 5, says to him, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Ah, Jesus. Jesus shows up, of course, because he has conquered and he can open, and he can control, and he can reveal the fate of the world because it's in his hands. It's in the hands of Jesus, the fate of the world. And here he comes, open the scroll. The Lion of Judah, as he's described. What does this mean? What is Judah? Well, we need to know some history here. We have Abraham. Uh, we know him, the father of many nations. Abraham had a son named Isaac. He had another one named Ishmael, but that's a different story. Isaac is the one that's chosen by God. Now, there's a thing that goes on in, in these patriarchal cultures and these Semitic cultures, uh, which is a blessing of children. Uh, and the blessing was given to the oldest. There was a, there, you had a birthright, you had an inheritance, kind of like we, we understand, but the oldest got this the, the special blessing. The oldest child had the first um, first dibs on on the father's great blessing. Uh, and so that was really important. And by the way, it wasn't fungible, okay? It wasn't something that could be undone. They took it very seriously. And there are some moments in Scripture, of course, we think about Jacob and Esau. That's Isaac's children. 
Isaac had Jacob and Esau. They were twins. Um, Jacob uh, uh, deceived his father uh, by dressing up like Esau, and, and Isaac couldn't see very well, and so he went and got his blessing. Well, it was the blessing intended for Esau, but it was given to Jacob. Now, we would look at that and say, well, that's not fair play. We're going to redo it. It doesn't count. Not so in their culture. He accidentally gave the blessing to Jacob. He wanted to give it to Esau, but Jacob received it anyway. Through deception, I might add. I mean, this is fraud. You would think there's got to be some recourse. No, the blessing stands. And then you say, well, what? Wow, it's a blessing. It's just words, right? Well, yes, but but there is something going on in these blessings because there is both a, a bit of a prophecy and there's also um, there's also God at work in this a little bit because they took this so seriously. And then when you see the results of it through God's hand, through his providence, you know, it became something to which the people in subsequent generations would look to and acknowledge the sovereignty of God at work. So, you know, Isaac blesses Jacob instead of Esau, and we say, well, that's a fraudulent kind of deceptive mistake. We should redo it or undo it. And they say, no, it stands. And, and who becomes the, uh, the, the patriarch of the tribes of Israel? Who himself becomes Israel? It's Jacob. And so Christ and the descendants and the, the Jewish people, the, the Israelites, they all come through, through Jacob. So a person can look back at that and look at their heritage and say, well, there was a mistake, a, a, a deception, and yet God worked through that to bring about his will. Uh, and that, that, that's a point in the God column for a lot of people, and I, I would say it is as well. So Abraham blesses Isaac, Isaac blesses Jacob, and now it's Jacob's turn because he's gotten old and he's gotten sick and he's gotten ill and feeble, and he calls his sons together. And now let's look at, Genesis chapter 49. So we went from Revelation, and isn't it crazy? Revelation chapter 5 is talking about something that you got to go all the way back to Genesis to figure out what it means, the Lion of Judah. Well, he goes through here in chapter 49 blessing his children. Uh, he's got Reuben, and, and he's got Simeon and Levi, and, and he gets down to verse 8. All right, Genesis 49 verse 8. Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Okay. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Okay, so there's going to be some prestige. There's going to be some power here. Your father's sons shall bow down before you. All the other tribes. Because these are these sons are all going to have descendants, and they're going to be the tribes of Israel, right? Uh, including, if you go back to chapter 48, a couple sons of Joseph, too. So <clears throat> he's saying to Judah, your descendants, your descendants will be praised, they will be bowed down to by the descendants of your brothers. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. There will be power. Ah, verse 9. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion and as a lioness. Who dares rouse him? The scepter. Now, so he's talking about the power of Judah. And he's using the lion, the reference of the animal, the lion, to talk about the power, and there's going to be some honor that's going to be bestowed upon Judah by 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 cousins and, and nieces and nephews. Um, why is that? Well, look at verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him. And to him shall be the obedience of the people binding his foil to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine, he was washed 
uh, he has washed his garments in wine and his vesture in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine, his teeth are whiter than milk. So he's describing um, this lion, which is Judah. Okay, Why is the lion Judah? Well, because in verse 10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. Um, that is an example. We use the scepter as a metaphor. The scepter is a symbol of royalty, royal rule. Judah is going to be the tribe of the kings. Judah is going to be the royal line. The rulers, the kings, David himself and others were from Judah. And so um, here is a bit of prophecy in this bit of blessing. And we, we see here it bears out because we know the rest of the story that, in fact, Judah is the seat of kings. It is the place where the royals come from. Um, now, what about this? It, it, the, the, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, and the ruler's staff will not depart from between his feet until, until tribute comes. And to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Uh, there is it seems, an anticipation, an anticipation found here that something else is coming, that something else is going to come. If you look in other um, other versions of this, it might say until Shiloh comes, um, until tribute comes to him, or still others say until the one uh, who is worthy comes. There is an anticipation here in this language that Judah will be the tribe of the royals, and yet one day something else is coming. It's temporary. Someone will come who will truly usher in the kingdom of God. And we know that that's Jesus. And so uh, this, this concept is being built here, this metaphor, the lion of Judah, the Judah the lion, the royal house, the royal line. And then it will be that way. The scepter will not depart until, until someone comes along who's worthy of it. All right, now let's go back to Revelation. Also, don't want to don't want to skip over the fact that he was talking about um, his vesture washed in blood, washed in the grapes, washed in the wine. Um, let's go back to Revelation. Where did we leave John now? We've got, so we, we see the scene. He's weeping. The angel says, don't weep. Someone's coming who can open this scroll. Now, go back to Genesis. We see the Lion of Judah is, is predicted to be the powerful and the ruler and the royal until someone comes along that can fulfill that duty uh, and take that away from Judah. Now, here, what does the elder say? Don't cry. Look, here comes the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David, he's conquered all so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And verse 6, between the throne and the four living creatures and the elders, I saw what? A lamb standing as though it had been slain covered in blood. Okay, this imagery here is really interesting. Imagine if someone said to you, hey, look over there, a lion, and you look and it's a sheep. You would think they were wrong, incorrect, unable to see, or maybe they just don't know their animals very well. No, in fact, this is Revelation, so the lion of Judah is the name. It is not the description. And when John looks to see the lion, he sees the lamb. And what does the lamb look like? Slaughtered, covered in blood. Just like it said Judah would, would be. The vestments washed in the blood wine. There's a lot of connection here. Wow. And these things written thousands of years apart, too. It's pretty impressive. 
I think what we need to understand as we wrap up our time, this life is hard. This journey is difficult. There will be moments of weeping. There will be moments of uncertainty. And in those moments, we are not walking alone. We are walking with a lion. We're walking with a lion, a powerful, mighty ruler and king. But that lion is a slaughtered lamb. And the juxtaposition of those two ideas is beautiful to me. Because it means that Jesus is his most powerful as a lion when he is at his weakest, when he is given of himself. What makes Jesus powerful? What made him able to conquer? What gave him the victory? It was when he gave himself over to die. He gave up his life so that he could be raised up and so that we could be raised up with him. The Lion of Judah is powerful, mighty, and royal. And he is a lamb covered in blood. And he walks beside us to take care of us, to guard us, and to protect us. Hope you've enjoyed this little journey into the history and uh, into Revelation a little bit more. You can check out our other lessons on our website, MonroeChurchOfChrist.org. And look forward to seeing you next time, of course, as we continue studying the names of Jesus.